This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome. This is the Story Power Marketing Show. I am Tom Ruich. And today's episode is called How to Stand Out from the Crowd on LinkedIn and Beyond. As always, I'll kick off this episode with a story before introducing my guest. A few months back, I was feeling low about LinkedIn. I was spending lots of time there and not seeing results. I had joined a couple of LinkedIn pods. Those are organized groups whose members post to LinkedIn at a scheduled time and then engage with one another's content. I was tired of pod members who barely engage. Most pod members posted thoughtful comments under other members' posts, but a few members offered very little. They would not comment at all, or they would drop in throwaway comments like, I agree, or nice post. Those people expected everyone else in the pod to engage with their content, and yet they barely lifted a finger when it was time for them to interact with others. Takers, not givers, I thought. So I met with a trusted friend and LinkedIn expert, and I vented. And this is what I, and this is what he told me. You can't control the takers, he said, so don't worry about them. Worry about what you can control. You can control how you engage. When the takers say so little, you have an opportunity to stand out as a giver. Keep posting thoughtful, entertaining, informative comments and posts and make it a habit. You'll be the one people see. You'll stand out as the expert you are. People will discover you because of those posts and comments. You'll build meaningful relationships. Then with a twinkle in his eye, he noted, don't ignore those throwaway comments from the takers. Respond to them with something meaty and valuable. Post great comments on their posts. Every time you reply, you show up in front of their connections. It's another opportunity for you to stand out, to share your knowledge, to promote your expertise. And that, dear listeners and viewers, is a master class in how to operate on LinkedIn and beyond. So much wisdom from my friend. Wisdom that applies to business and life, not just to LinkedIn. Wisdom about mindset. Focus on what you can control. Wisdom about business philosophy. Be a giver, not a taker. Wisdom about the power of persistence and habits. Keep posting. Wisdom about confidence. You have something valuable to say, so say it. Wisdom about working the system. Reply to those throwaway comments to expand your reach. All that wisdom leads me to today's guest, John Keel, who happens to be that guy who dispensed all that wisdom. John Keel is a results-oriented business advisor who has been helping businesses and their leaders 
Stand Out and Thrive for nearly 25 years. He is the CEO and founder of Improve Results LLC, which helps small business people increase revenue and gain the freedom they want by using proven automated systems. He co-developed the Xavier University MBA eBusiness program, where he taught online marketing and e-commerce. He also founded Improve Together LLC, a LinkedIn software as a service business in June 2020. He frequently speaks to audiences about performance-based marketing for online and offline businesses. He's written several books, numerous articles, and has appeared on several TV and radio news and talk programs. He co-developed the first pay-per-click search engine bid management software and wrote the first book on pay-per-click search engines titled Instant Website Traffic. And he's a wise man who is a giver, not a taker. So John Keel, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Tom, you you read that almost the same way I wrote it. Very good. Thank you. For the intro. <laughs> well, you wrote it well. <laughs> and, by, and by the way, that's just another little key. And you know, I've done, I do a lot of speaking from stage or did a lot, not so much anymore, but it's coming back. And I remember years ago, somebody saying, don't depend on whoever's going to introduce you to do it right. You give them exactly the wording you want them to say. Yep. Yep. That is, uh, that is absolutely true. That's a that's a business nugget, a, a principle, a guiding idea that you have dropped on us. And that's one of the things that I love about you, John, that, you know, so many business people are out there chasing the latest shiny tool and tactic. I talk about this a lot at Story Power Marketing, you know, that, that people are all out there. They've got that that squirrel syndrome, you know, Ooh, squirrel, off they go chasing the latest tactic. You are rooted in principles that have stood the test of time. And I'd love you to talk about that because that itself is a business philosophy that, you know, dig in and invest in the tried and true principles and you will have marketing success. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you came to realize that? When I, uh, you know, my background, I have an engineering background and then I went and sold for 20 some odd years, owned a business and sold it and found the internet in 97. And I knew, I knew how to sell. I'd been very, very successful in that first career, but I knew nothing about marketing. That's not something they teach in engineering school. Mm -hmm. And so I got involved with the internet and all of a sudden I'm finding, gosh, I don't know anything about this marketing stuff. And I ran across Dan Kennedy and who to me is one of the, if not the most successful direct response marketer out there. Of course, Dan was not big into the internet back then, but he was teaching things. And, and that's just a, me- uh, the internet's just a medium. It's just another channel by which to reach, reach prospects and customers. So the channel, I think really doesn't make any difference. The principles, the basic marketing principles that, that I learned through being heavily involved with him for 15 plus years, investing, well, let's just say into the six figures to continue my education, to gain knowledge. Those are the things that I learned about. And, and, and the point he made many, many times was don't get all enthralled with the latest techniques, the latest hot thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, but go back 
a hundred years. In fact, as, as you and I have talked, and I think you might have said, two of the books I have were written back in nineteen in the nineteen twenties that yeah. I used. You know, uh, Capel's uh, tested advertising methods, and I forget who wrote uh, scientific advertising. John, um, Claude Hopkins. Claude Hopkins. I've got them yeah, both. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the, those 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 principles have remained the same. I just posted on LinkedIn this morning about testing. You know, testing is uh, testing is like life. You have it, it. Things change, and you always need to test. You always need to test, and never assume. Yeah, yeah, and and you're so right. I mean, these guys you named Claude Hopkins, John Caples, Ogilvy, uh, uh, Eugene Schwartz. These uh. are names that my audience has heard over and over again. It's no accident because. The things that they were doing, the principles that they adopted and that they passed on generation after generation, decade after decade, are things that work. And it doesn't matter, as you said, doesn't matter what medium you apply. These guys were uh, print advertisers, direct mail guys, um, that sort of thing. And yet the principles testing among them are things that still apply today and still work and if you if you ignore that stuff you will never have the foundation to make whatever the latest shiny tool and tactic uh is work and and and, and so let's take it into one of these tools which is really your sweet spot you're a great expert at linkedin and let's talk a little bit about the core principles and how you apply them to LinkedIn, because you do, you, you, you apply them to LinkedIn masterfully. And I'd like to share some of that with our audience today. Well, I, will, I will say, first of all, that, that all my writing on LinkedIn, I've become a, I won't say an expert, but a better than average writer, copywriter. And uh, to the point where uh, using the system I use, I post consistently on LinkedIn. A principle of, of success on LinkedIn is to post consistently, mm-hmm. whether it's once a week, twice a week. I don't recommend more than four times a week and definitely not more than once a day, but to do it consistently. And a lot of the, the posts that I write, in fact, in fact, it's just another little tip on LinkedIn. Every post needs to have its own headline. Yep. And back to direct mail, all my headlines have quotes in them. They're, they're set off by quotes, so it stands out from the rest of the, of the post. And then the intro paragraph has a hook in it, basically, to draw people in so that they will click the see more button. Yeah. Uh, because yep, that, yep. Does, that does nothing but increase what's called the dwell time, which the LinkedIn algorithm, algorithm pays attention to. And since September, is paying a lot of attention to. Right. Uh, Another one, and, and you said it, is comments. I believe that LinkedIn is the, I don't know if it's the only, or one of, it's one of the last free advertising methods out there online today. And that comes from when you post thoughtful comments in your, in your, in your comments, thoughtful content in your comments, people will read that. I've had, I know at least a dozen times this last year, people that I was not connected with reached out to me because of what they had seen me write in my comments and they go check me out a little bit more and then they reach out and let's have a conversation. Yep. 
And yep. I was I wasn't connected to them then, but I certainly am now. Yeah, and it's it's been a few months since you and I had that conversation that I told everybody about, and since then I've taken it to heart. And even those even those takers who really aren't participating, really aren't giving, I'll get in there and I'll comment on their posts. I'll I'll I go in with a giving mindset, a promote myself mindset, a be consistently present mindset, and. I've had it happen just as you described. I'll post something thoughtful. Somebody I've never heard of who's connected to that other person will find me, will reach out, will will often say so in their connection request. Hey, I really liked what you said in the comments. And now all of a sudden you have a budding business relationship that for me, I can trace a couple of, of sales back to those yep. sorts of, of connections. And so... You're just dead on right on on that. And, you know, when you talk about these things like headlines and hooks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're talking about those same people you named decades ago, 100 year old marketing lessons. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, how does a guy like Claude Hopkins, John Caples, all uh, guys who were long gone before the Internet and LinkedIn, or even Dan Kennedy, who uh, <laughs> I think to this day, Dan Kennedy is still um, <laughs> you know, kind of grudgingly on the internet, but he, he, uh, it's, not, not it, it, it's not his favorite thing. So uh, what is it that these guys have taught you that you're applying to LinkedIn? A lot of it has to do with psychology mm -hmm. and providing value first. And to remember uh, a key principle, People don't care what you do. They care who you are. And who you are shows through in the way you write. Do you write with authenticity, with integrity, with a giving value first mindset? Yeah. And speak and speak to the benefit. Most of my posts all have in the headlines have some type of benefit. It's almost like you're reading a piece of direct mail, really, or an email yeah. with a strong subject line. Yep. To get the reader to come in and, and find out a little bit more because you're just you're competing against everybody else out there. I mean, there are millions of posts, new posts that come out on LinkedIn. I, I read this a couple, probably six months ago. Nine billion of uh, nine billion a week. That's yeah. a lot of content. <laughs> nine billion posts a week. Yeah, that's astounding. And and you mentioned the importance of you know providing value, hooking them in, having a call to action. But that doesn't mean that LinkedIn is one of those, uh, here I am, buy from me, that instantaneous thing. In fact, you have a great phrase for this. You, you talk about LinkedIn being more about long-term relationship building and less about, I think you call it, the instantaneous microwave play. Talk to us a little bit about sure. instantaneous microwave play, some of the horror stories that oh. we all witness out there on LinkedIn and why the instantaneous microwave play doesn't work. Well, I think most of the people who come on LinkedIn today and it's approaching 800 million people worldwide, you know, when you're, when you run into somebody like that, that who I'm talking going to talk about in just a second, they reach out to connect to you. And, and maybe they don't even have a message in their connection requests. Yeah, I generally don't pay any attention to those. 
unless I really want to help them learn. <laughs> right. And within the milliseconds, if not seconds, after you connect, you get an automated message that comes back and you, you know it's automated because nobody can respond that fast. And it's templated. And again, nothing wrong with templated. I personalize all mine, by the way. Uh, I use a basic template, but I have some personalization in there uh, when I connect with somebody, just because I want to look at them as a person. Because here's the other thing around that, Tom, and I think it's another principle. I don't know who they know. Mm -hmm. And I'm only one person away from a contact, and it may be them that could have substantial financial implications for my business. So I have to treat them like a person and, and not expect the instant result. I, I just had one this morning, uh, a, re- a request that said, gee, let's, let's schedule a call. I want to talk to you about my business. I deleted, I deleted that person because I don't, that's not the way I, that's not the way I do business. You know, when I sold, engineering equipment back for 23 years. I sold a quarter of a billion dollars worth of equipment in 23 years, which was pretty good. And I didn't do it because of not having strong relationships with people. It was all relationship based. We, we move away from the mindset of transaction to relationship. And these guys, when I get those, these guys and gals that give me those messages, they're just transaction oriented and that's fine. But that's not that's not the way I do business and won't do business that way. Yep, I'm I'm with you, John. And and so you talked about the importance of consistency. And some people, when we talk about consistency, whether it's LinkedIn, email, blogging, whatever channel we're focusing on, they have trouble. I, I start, I stop, I, I, I can't do it. And I know that you're a big believer in building habits. <laughs> you believe that in order to get things done, you have to establish habits. And uh, before, uh, just before we got on, on the call here, you were talking about the fact that you've built into your program, uh, a little let's let's just call it a seasonal habit of putting an hour of time into your calendar every day in December for the purpose of planning 2022. So, I, learned that, I learned that last year from uh, a guy named Eric Maltham, who's a, a sales coach, does sales coaching. Yeah, but he ran, he ran a uh, business or, or, or annual planning webinar actually there were two or three of them and i attended and i well i even attended one live i normally don't attend a webinars live i I watch the recording and speed it up but this was really valuable and it it just got me focused in because i've i've planned business i've done annual business planning for going on 45 years some years better than others but the last two years have been phenomenal from my perspective, because I have very clear focus on what I'm going to be doing. And I'm not done, by the way, with my planning for next year, but I will have very clear focus on priorities and with some measurement sticks in there along the way to be able to measure uh, performance and so on. Yep. And I'll be my, I'll be my toughest coach, if you will. Yeah. 
And what would the what would the planning process look like? What would the result be if you didn't act habitually? If you didn't set aside oh. the time and commit to one bite at a time, day after day, in December? And you just you just hit the point. It's it's how do you know the old thing about an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. The way I used to do it is I would do it the, the week between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd spend two or three hours a day and then things would happen and family and all that kind of stuff. And then I'd get up to, I had a couple of years that I didn't actually get started on my planning until after the first of the year. Right. And I felt frantic the whole year. I felt out of sorts the whole year long. And I just said, I don't want to feel that way. And the business, you know, I won't say had necessarily the expected results, but the point was, it didn't allow me the mindset to, to look at what to say no to. See, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we all have, is what to say no to. Mm-hmm. Because we are in over-inundated, if you will. I bet I've received five or six already this week. Re- request, excuse me, for programs. Oh, we've got this new program coming up, blah, 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 blah. And I, I'm guilty of BSO syndrome, bright, shiny object syndrome. And, oh, there's this, you know, you talk about chasing squirrels. Let's do this. Let's try that. And I don't do that anymore. I, yeah. I just, and, and, and committing to certain habits, I think, is, is uh, the primary reason, right? And, yeah, and, yes. And, and so let's talk for a moment about what are some of the the core habits that you've established and that you would recommend that others bring into their business that, that are so critical for business success? Oh, the first habit, and I, I learned this from our friend Terry Marshall uh, a couple of years ago. I go analog before I go digital, seven days a week. And when I, when I, when I say I go analog before I go digital, it means I don't check, I don't check my computer, I don't check email, I don't check any of that stuff. Until I have spent an hour, mm-hmm. I've got a chair sitting over behind my desk that I sit in, and I call that my John time. And I'm not saying it has to be an hour. I didn't start with an hour. I started with about 20 minutes, but in that 20 in that hour now for me now, I think another problem that a lot of people have is they don't think. Well, we're so busy running from here to there and checking email, blah blah blah. We don't have time to think. I need for me. I have to have conscious time where I think, even to the point in time on Saturday, I've got a got it scheduled on my calendar already for 2022. Uh, every Saturday morning, I uh, have an hour of what I call critical thinking time. Mm-hmm. Again, not only how the week go, and it's not just business, but how the week go. What didn't you do that you wanted to do? Because we all have those. Yep. You know, if we if we have if we live another day, we get a chance for a do over. That's good. Um, so we all want, we, we, we want as many do-overs as we have yeah. uh, that we can, we can get. So it's, it's that, that separate time though, of going analog before I go digital, because for me, once I check email, the day's over, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> you know, into it. Yep. And, and you dropped a, a really critical detail in there. You, you noted that there's this chair over there where I go and do it. And I have a similar habit. First thing in the morning, no email, no no news sites, no uh, web browsing. I journal, 
I clear my mind. I do a little bit of meditation. And one of the key details is I always do it in a place separate from my office. And so we have a lovely yard here at my house, weather permitting. I have a place that I used to love to do that, or I still love, I'll, I'll get back to that in April, um, where I go outside, uh, screen porch if it's raining. And uh, now this time of year, when it's uh, below freezing in the morning here in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, I light a fire in the fireplace. I sit in the easy chair next to the fire and I go to that separate space. I don't feel like I'm, I'm in my workspace. And that's a critical detail, I think, for you to sink into a habit, make it a place separate from where you do the bulk of your work. So that's habit number one. Habit number two, John. Habit number two is, is I call it calendar integrity. I work from a calendar. I'm a calendar driven person. Mm -hmm. If it ain't on the calendar, it ain't going to get done. I mean, I don't even want to think about it. And I won't because if <laughs> I've had meetings, Tom, and phone calls will say, I'll say, yeah, I'll call you, but I don't put it on the calendar. Doesn't, I, I forget it because mm-hmm. I don't want to clutter my mind with that. So that's, that's, a, that's another one. Is, and, and then not only because I do that on a, on a week by week basis, I'll generally do that on a Sunday night, look at the, at the coming week and get scheduled phone calls or, or meeting setups, meetings that I've already got scheduled or meetings that I need to get uh, scheduled, get those on the calendar. And then to maintain calendar integrity, yep, to yep. do what I said I was going to do, keep my word to myself. Yep. And so the habit is at a set time, set day, you go through a repeatable process of looking to the week ahead, getting everything filled in, putting everything on the calendar, and then considering that sacred and and not breaking that. That's that's a beautiful thing. But it doesn't just happen. I mean, for those of us who heard this and you know, I obey the calendar and, and so forth. It the the way that the rest of us are sort of putting stuff on the calendar and so forth, eh, it would we'd we'd start missing stuff in a hurry if we're not careful. Built and, into this yeah. is a habit. Sunday night I organize my calendar. And the the the, the second part of that, I heard this term about 10 years ago. I didn't come up with the term calendar integrity, but integrity is one of my values, one of my six core values. And I just extended it out. I heard that and I said, yeah, I need to have calendar integrity with myself Mm -hmm. to be true to myself, to do what I say I'm going to do relative to my time. And and, and I've I've been surprised at how much more I seem to get done these days than I did five years ago. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Habit number three. Habit number three uh, has to do with this. I plan to live a very long time. And somebody wants I do to too. Some, sometime they can. And the way I'm going to do that, or the way I won't do it, is by not taking care of my body and my mind. Mm-hmm. So I believe very strongly in wellness. I've, I've, I've really got myself educated this year on wellness. Mm-hmm. And that's not, not, and I'll just speak to the physical wellness piece, right? Just for a bit. I don't mean going out and running a marathon, although years ago I did until I got bum knees. <laughs> I, I set on my alarm. In fact, I hope it doesn't go off while we're talking. Every hour on the hour, my alarm goes off. 
from from eight until five. And as soon as that goes off, I'm out of here. I go outside and I walk for five minutes. Yeah. Another time, immediate time, just to clear my head, come back in, and then I'm, then I'm back at it. So it's that uh, that I call it movement. Yep. And, and you said something really, really important there. You said to clear my head, you know, movement like that, getting the blood flowing, exercising is certainly important for cardio health, muscular, all that physical stuff. But there is an absolute correlation between exercise and mental health. And, and we clear our head, we feel better, our mood improves, our, our uh, perspective changes if we get out of the chair and move. So, uh, you know, amen to that one. <laughs> um, tied into that, tied into the wellness piece, there are two other pieces to it. First is sleep. Yep. For over 20 years, I used to stay up late and I'd get up early. I've, I've gotten up early for years and I'd get four or five hours of sleep a night and do that for two or three months in a row. And then I would crash, crash over a weekend and then I would start and do it all over again. And about yep. three, four years ago, I said, uh, my doctor actually said this also, said, said, you really need at least seven every night. And so I get, I get at least seven every night. Now, one of my challenges is that I work with a group of folks out of the UK and they have, <laughs> which for them, it's not early, but for me, it's four and 5 a.m. phone calls. I've got one tomorrow morning. And well, that just sort of fit right into my getting up early. So now I, I get up at four every morning, but which yeah. means I go to bed at seven to eight every night. Well, that's, uh, you know, you're, you're committed that the habit is locked in. And if it means you go to bed earlier than, uh, uh, than I do, and that many of us do more power to you, I think. I'm rather boring at parties when I leave early, but uh, (laughs) I've got the t-shirts for staying a long time. Yeah. We're living in the age of fewer parties right now. So, uh, Sure. So all, all's good. And, and uh, let's summarize those last two habits. Um, we asked for five and, and uh, I know you have many more, but there are five that you often talk about. So what are the other two? Give me just a sec. Uh, give me just a second as we're going through this, because it'll happen because it, it'll, it'll, it just kind of comes to me. Sometimes it goes, sometimes it comes. Yeah. Uh, another habit, uh, Tom is, is, to continue to develop my skills. Mm-hmm. I call it, I'm on a vertical learning curve. I've been on one for 25, 30 years. And I'm always learning new stuff. I read a lot. Although that's becoming a challenge sometimes is with, with the busyness of our schedules. But I am on a continual learning mental thing, if you will, just getting myself better. Yeah. You know, it's about... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things that I appreciate about you, John, I know that you are on that vertical learning curve, but you are also an implementer. You also take what you learn and you get to work, which is really the critical thing. The people, you know, you you talked about investing six figures over many years and all of this learning that you've done. Lots of people out there buying this course, that course, going to that webinar, uh, signing up for yet another email list. And that is all good and well if what you are consuming is translating to 
something that you put to work for the benefit of you and your business. But too many people are, are in that habit of learning. They're on the vertical learning curve, but they're not doing anything with it, which is just a giant waste of time and just a bunch of frivolous activity, you know, and, and I so appreciate how you take what you've, you're, you're learning and put it to work in your business. It's inspiring for me. Yeah. Planning without execution. I mean, quit fooling yourself. Yeah. And, and I've been guilty of that. Very, very guilty of that. In fact, one of the things uh, I, I committed to this year, I actually bought three or four things last year, courses. I got hooked. What I didn't do and what I'm doing in 2022 is I'm saying when those opportunities come along is to say, okay, how long will it take to implement? Mm-hmm. And when are you going to put that on your calendar to do? Don't fool yourself. Yep. Which, by the way, is combining habit number four with habit number two. Was that where the calendar came in? You know, yeah. getting the <laughs> so so it all begins to it all begins to work together, doesn't it, John? It really does. It it, yeah. it, it really does. You, you really can't separate yourself into components. I think you have to have a very holistic approach to your life, not only yeah. business but also personal and family. All those things kind of need to go together. Can't be one way in one area and one way in another. I yeah, I often, I often say that I, I just hate the expression work-life balance as if work is one thing and your life is another thing. No, no, no. It's all your life. And I like to talk in terms of work-leisure balance. Yeah. Sometimes you're at your desk and it's work time. Sometimes you're sitting in the, uh, you know, lounge chair and, and just soaking in the sun or you're on a beach somewhere that's leisure, that's work, but it's all part of your life and getting that balance, uh, is, is the critical idea. So I came up with the term, I came up with the term about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago called de-siloing because most of us are siloed, Mm -hmm. your work, all that said, no, 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 no. De-silo yourself. I don't have silos. I mean, I work for my house and so it's upstairs where I work down here in the basement, but I'm de-siloed. I I don't have those separations anymore. Yep. I got, I'm with you on that. And and, uh, how about one more habit? You said something and it, I was going to say that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, I, I guess another habit is who I hang with. As I said, I've, I've written down six values for myself. They're personal and business values. And I, quite frankly, don't associate with people who don't share those values. Mm-hmm. Integrity being one. And, and response, personal responsibility being another. We've all heard it. Oh, I just, it wasn't my fault. And I, and I hear that from 50-year-old people. Bull. I, I remember Kennedy saying one time when I was in a mastermind group, and I said, well, I have this kind of wah, 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 and, and it was actually Bill Glazer who said, well, John, who picked him? <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Point. I love point. it. <laughs> I love it. And, and yeah, I mean, on that point about the people you associate with, I was introduced to you when you presented a webinar around your your LinkedIn software and and we didn't connect directly at the time I knew who you were as a result 
I appreciated what you were doing with the software. I began to pay attention to some of the stuff you were putting out on, on social media, but we had not connected directly. And then I began to cross paths with you in, in places where people of high integrity hang out, people I care for and I like. And, and we were hanging out with the same great people. And as I began to notice you showing up in all those places with all those people I appreciate and like and consider of the highest integrity, I reached out to you and a relationship and a friendship was formed as a result. And, uh, you know, I'll name some of those people. You and you and I, uh, have crossed paths at Brian Kurtz's, uh, group. He, I mean, he is a quality person. Ted Pedromo is the person who introduced us quality people. And so I'm a big believer in, in, in that principle habit, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, 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 um, you know, we've made a, we've made a great connection as a result. And, and I said it in the introduction that you are, uh, you are a giver, not a taker. You're a wise man. I think that uh, um, my audience today has just gotten the smallest taste of what you have to give, which is a good segue into tell them how they can connect with you more. Where can they find you? Um, what, if anything, uh, can you offer somebody who reaches out, goes to a website, that sort of thing, John? Well, first thing, if we're not connected on LinkedIn, and I'm J-O-N-K-E-E-L on LinkedIn, let's connect. And along that line, I was asked to, I'm contributing to a book that's coming out next spring. It's a book on entrepreneurship. And the chapter I'm, I've written is called, So You Want to Be an Entrepreneur? Not so fast. And I go through the mindsets. So if you'd like to copy that chapter, I'll be glad to send it to you. But just reach out, connect on LinkedIn, and just ask me. Ask me for it. And, and oh, by the way, don't just press the connection request and be done with it and hope that John says yes. And then you yeah. begin the conversation. When you connect, you can, uh, you can add a little comment. Tell John that you found him through the podcast and ask him for the chapter and John will accept that request. And then you'll, you'll have a budding relationship exactly. with, a, with a great guy. Thanks yeah. for reminding me of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other way that just to find out what I do, um, go to my, my website, improved results. That's with a D results.com. And if we decide to talk a little bit, I'll be glad to send you a, a link to a, it's a recorded webinar I did about six months ago from a, from a business perspective. I work with one million and larger in revenue businesses, and I increase their revenue. And, and, I, and I have learned this over the years, you know, Kennedy and so on. I just don't take phone calls. But people who want to talk business, they actually have to watch the video first mm. and then go through a qualification process to schedule the call. And that's not because I'm some jerk or something because I'll give info out all the time. But it's, as I tell people, tell this to prospects, Tom, I said, I understand your time's important. Guess whose time I think is more important. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and there's, a, there's a great business lesson in that for, for anyone who is in a service business. You know, it, it, uh, why waste time? talking to tire kickers, to people who are not a good fit for you. And, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of stuff out uh, for, 
for free on LinkedIn. You can read all that stuff. And, and, but for you and your business, uh, people out there in the audience, you want to disqualify the people who, who aren't going to benefit from talking to you as much as qualify those people who are prospects. And that's what John's talking about when he says, you know, fill out a form. Um, and, and if what you say in the form meets the criteria and there's a match, hallelujah, let's talk. We'll, we'll have a great conversation, but if not, um, maybe John will be able to say, Hey, here's something else you can go read of mine, or here's another person I think might be helpful to you. But, but why waste time? Both people lose in, in that proposition. So that's a really, uh, critical business tactic. Yeah. An important principle about what you just said is number one, we can always, Money's replaceable. We can always make more money. Yep. Our time is the most valuable asset we have, and we yep. cannot replace our time. Yep. Amen. And, yeah. Uh, so, John, any any parting thoughts for our audience? Let's let's repeat yeah. the website address. Improved. Go ahead. You, you do it for us. Improved. I m p r o v e b results dot com. Yep. Uh, my LinkedIn uh, SAS website is improvedtogether.com. Just yep. check it out. I give a monthly uh, training on LinkedIn. In fact, I've just set up the LinkedIn event today. It's going to be, I think the 24th through the 26th of January is free. And I just, I give all kinds of information away because I want to see people use LinkedIn better and get better results. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Not just for my sake. I, I just want to run into more people like you who are not the instantaneous microwave uh, taker types and are more about building relationships like you do. So, John, great, great pleasure to have you uh, spend some time with us here on the show. It's uh, especially valuable what you do. I know that when I go back and listen to this again, I'm going to pick up things that I didn't catch on the first listen. Uh, I find that every time I talk to you, that there, there are just so many little gems in, in what you offer. Great experience, so much, uh, so much value. And, uh, and, and that's why we'll uh, continue to cross paths and continue to build this relationship. But uh, thank you, Ted Pedromo, for connecting us in the first place. So, Tom, I appreciate the opportunity because, you know, I love to share. Yep. Thank you again. And uh, we'll see you down the road, John. And we'll see everybody out there in in, uh, internet land back here on the Story Power Marketing Show another time. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.